Well, if we could pray together, please. Oh, God, speak to me that I may hear and speak through me that we all may hear your truth, your word, your light. And having heard it today, Lord, change us and make us doers of it and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is no G rating to the scripture passage I read for you this morning, right? Yeah, it sounds more like a scene out of a classic 1960s movie with Dustin Hoffman and Ann Bancroft. I can just hear Simon and Garfunkel singing, Kukachu, Mrs. Potiphar, Jesus loves you more than you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. I've been telling you all along that the scripture, the Bible, has everything necessary for life and for faith, but you didn't know it included that, or did you? Or did you? What a, what a story. And no doubt this story of temptation for Joseph was, was one of Potiphar's wife being uh, an aggressor of sorts. I looked up Merriam-Webster online this week for synonyms of a physically attractive man. Listen to these words that they list. Um, Adonis, babe magnet, beefcake, heartthrob, hottie, hunk, buff, a ladies' man, and prince charming. But it did not list Joseph there. That was the case for Potiphar's wife. Richard Alter points out a couple of very fascinating facts about this scripture. And the first of those is, this is um, the second time that Joseph has been taken advantage of and stripped of his clothing and made the subject of a lie in order to get him in trouble afterwards. Did you notice that? As Potiphar's wife took his cloak, so his brothers took his colorful coat that his father had given him. And just as Potiphar's wife said, this young man tried to take advantage of me. His brothers lied to his father, saying, your son is now dead. But the other interesting fact about this scripture is that the same two words used to describe Joseph's physical appearance here, Richard Alter writes, are the same two words that are used for his father, Jacob, to describe his beloved wife, Rachel, that he had to work 14 years in order to marry. Maybe that's why Joseph was his favorite son, because he reminded him so much of his mother. But whatever the case is, the story is really about Joseph, isn't it, being God's person and dealing with the temptation and uh, being faithful in doing that. And so a couple of things for us quickly this morning that we need to hear from the story for our faith. And the first of those is the warning about temptation. Because we're all going to face temptation in life. We're all going to be tested in our faith in times of trial. And it's going to take God's help to do what is right and good. If you can notice in the story, and there's a slide. Oh, that's already up there. Mike, thank you. Uh, ways in which Joseph dealt with the temptation that he was given from Potiphar's wife. First of all, 
He tried to reason with her, explaining and reminding her of what she knew, that Potiphar was a good man and that he had done right by her and for him as well. And so she should hold him in right regard and not do what it was that she was tempted to do. But when that temptation persisted, when she continued on and Joseph was tempted, he appealed next to her morality saying how bad a thing this would be in the eyes of God and how he could not do this because it would break his covenant and his faith. But finally, when neither of those two methods worked to escape the temptation which he was dealing with, Joseph exited. He ran out of the house naked. Don't you think people noticed? Yes, and there was great consequence to pay because of it. Practical steps for how to deal with temptation in your life and in degrees, if you will, that can keep us from, from falling into sin. A couple of illustrations about knowing when to exit places of temptation. Both come from the sports world. One from Sam Snead, a sports writer once asked this great golfer of the last century, how is it to handle playing in the rough of the golf course and he said well that's just simple you do your best never to place yourself in the rough when you are hitting the ball and the same could be true for temptation Muhammad Ali one time a devout Muslim man was asked how he handled the temptations of his great fame and wealth and he said I always carry a max a box of matches with me and whenever I find myself tempted like at a party Uh, I'll pull out a match from the box and strike it and hold my finger under it, and it'll burn a little bit. And I'll say to myself, wow, hell is a whole lot hotter than that match, and it makes me come back to reality suddenly. Whatever it takes for you to not do the things that you know are wrong in the eyes of God and that will hurt other people, That's what we're called to do. Joseph was a man of integrity. The scripture tells us and shows us and encourages us to do the same. One other thing about the story is that that it puts our temptation into the perspective of God's timing and God's kingdom. We've talked about this before over the last few weeks about how Joseph was talented in administration and in receiving dreams and interpreting dreams of God, but also very talented as well in keeping his sight upon the dreams of God for his life. It's easy for us to lose track of our dreams, and it's easy for our our dreams and what we know God has placed us in the world to do to be thrown off track by temptations to take us away from the focus and the purpose that God has for our lives. I know all of us at some point in time have had so much difficulty in dealing with someone, a person, because they have reached our nerves at a uh, very deep level or that we cannot handle um, what they're saying any longer, that we simply want to blow up at them and tell them how they ought to go away and just quit. And yet, out of love, what is it that Jesus calls us to do? It's to love despite all of that and putting into perspective that 
our purpose in this world is to do primarily that, love, helps us to deal with the temptations that we struggle. I, I like that the way this story begins, of Joseph going into Potiphar's house as a slave, is the same way that it ends. Did you notice that? The same phrase begins in the first verse and the last verse of this pericope of, of Joseph being under the house of Potiphar. Here's how it ends, verse 20 and 21. While Joseph was there in prison, after being put in by Potiphar, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Joseph was able to resist temptation, first and foremost, because he allowed his heart and his life to be filled with the things of God and not the powers and things of this world. And it is easy for us to get off track and to lose sight of what our main purpose is when temptations hinder us there and call us yonder to get off track. Well, I was at annual conference a couple of weeks ago, and on Thursday there at Lake Junaluska and Stewart Auditorium, we had an all-day mandatory clergy session. Yeah, you... You want a long day, come and sit with a, a bunch of clergy and hear about clergy matters. Actually, it's a, it's a privilege to have those colleagues in ministry at different Methodist churches across western North Carolina. Um, but every year, and I've got to, to say something to the bishop about this, they keep ordaining younger and younger people. They're kids now. I, I think some of them were just out of middle school that they ordained Saturday night at annual conference because they called them all up at the clergy session and were introduced and we approved them. I was also reminded at annual conference during that session that it's been 25 years since I was the one that was introduced and ordained in the Western North Carolina Conference. And I don't know how that time has passed that quickly. Actually, I had, I had hoped, and I had planned to be ordained the year before, in 1993 instead of 1994. But I had a major detour in that year that threw me off track. I had finished my college education, and I had worked a couple of years to pay off some debts. I had felt God's call to preach. I had gone to seminary for a couple of years. I had gone through the whole process the year before of writing those papers. I mean, a hundred plus pages of answers to theological and practical questions. I had gone before the Board of Ordained Ministry for a day-long interview process, and at the end of the day, they took me into a room like they did all of us that day and said, weekly, no, not this year. Nope, you're not ready to be ordained as a minister. It, it was a crushing blow for me. I guess you can imagine it was great difficulty for me to even keep from crying that day. And, and the drive back to seminary was probably the longest ones that I've ever had to make. It was a depressing disappointment. And it was a very long year until I would have a chance to go before them all over again the next year, they gave me the gall of them. They gave me a reading list and said to me, if you want to come back next year, you need to read these books. Like I didn't already have enough books to read with my last year of seminary coming up. 
But I read the books, and I sought out some mentors to help me. And I talked to some people that were on the board, and I prayed a lot, and I had a lot of encouragement. And the next year, I rewrote my papers again. I went and sat with the, the interview committees of the Board of Ordained Ministry, and finally, they said, weekly, you're ready. And at annual conference, I was brought before all of the clergy session and voted upon and approved and ordained by the bishop 25 years ago. Well, my point is simply this, is that we all have dreams and we all know what our purpose in life is, according to God, because there are a lot of things we can make our purpose in life about that have to do with us and the things of the world. But they always lead us to empty places. And if we will be faithful to the dreams of God that he places in our hearts and in our lives, then, like Joseph, we will find that God has a greater glory for us, for his purposes, down the road. And so today we come to this Holy Communion meal, and we remember that we're all in need of strength, aren't we? For the grace of God and for guidance each day. And for the difficulty of resisting temptation, whatever, whatever difficulty it is we may face, his grace is sufficient, and we celebrate that and receive it anew at his table.